0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Eat Okra, your guide to Black-owned restaurants. Download the Eat Okra app on your smartphone today. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, people of color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org/biz.
2: Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. Maybe not tuning in live because we don't have live radio anymore, but we do have recorded live to simple cast to all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We hope that everybody is downloading, subscribing, and listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, on July 14th, 2020, technology and food has never been more important in the sense that during the past four months of the pandemic, with restaurants being closed and diners staying at home, how does a chef connect with his customers? Well, the answer to that is online. Today, we are talking with two chefs who have done a very interesting pivot and started new businesses where they kind of flip the script and have diners become chefs with a little help from the pros. So joining us today, we have Philip Speer, who is from the restaurant Commodore in Texas. Um, His business is called Assembly Kitchen. Philip, thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for inviting me on to hang out with you guys.
2: How are you doing down in Texas? This is the first that we've had someone on the show from Texas, and um, we think about you guys every day when we read the news. How you doing?
3: Um, you know, it's it's a it's a new battle every day, as it is with a lot of the world. Um, as um, as you're implying, it's been a little rough in Texas. There's been um, quite a few. Um, rises in in our cases and we're you know being as cautious with that every day as we can which is again uh, as you stated why we're so excited about our pivot and our ability to have our food in your home
2: and joining us today also is franklin becker who's a new york city chef and his company is called 100 pleats franklin thank you for calling in today
4: oh thank you for having me jennifer it's a pleasure
2: so it really is an interesting dilemma, um, and dilemma maybe is is taking it a little bit lightly. It has been a really, you know, critical problem to solve for chefs and, and restaurants. How do you keep your business going? How do you stay connected to your customers when your restaurant is closed, your staff is at home, and your restaurant customers are at home? It's really um, it's it's a challenge for restaurants, obviously, because it is such an in person business. It's also been extremely frustrating for restaurant people because typically, when there's a disaster or when there's a crisis, restaurant people are the first people to come together and set up a mobile kitchen or feed people or bring sandwiches someplace or open up their space you know, to help their communities and and this pandemic has, you know, has the person to person limitations that has made that challenging. We also see people staying at home and cooking more and more every day. And that has kind of led to a couple things. One, people enjoy it more. Two, they're cooking two, three meals a day. And, you know, maybe they're looking for guidance. They're looking for something a little more entertaining. They're looking for groceries. Um, They're looking maybe to replicate some of their favorite things. And that is sort of what um, Philip's Assembly Kitchen is doing today. Philip, why don't you take us through the chronology of, you know, at what point in time you started thinking about this business, and then how you were able to activate it?
3: Well, as you know, we started to see and hear uh, down the pipeline what was looked like was going to be a, you know, uh, turn into a full blown pandemic. Probably, you know, through February, we started thinking about how. When what we believed at that point to be inevitable shutdown of of restaurant person to person services would come, what could we do to get food into people's homes? You know, the the way that we produce our food in our restaurant at Commodore, you know, we didn't believe that this food would travel very well in a to go box, fully cooked. So we thought about you know long and hard about what that pivot was going to look like and one thing that was really important to us is that we brought the intimacy of a restaurant into your home uh, along with the you know the presence uh and guidance of of the chef and you know obviously we we couldn't bring a server into your home but could we walk you through the whole process the same way somebody would in in a hospitable way right so we it began by creating um you know, what we now refer to as meal kits, but we didn't really want to live in a meal kit space. We wanted to be more of like an in-home restaurant um, or a dining experience in your home. Uh, we coupled it with um, videos of Chef Alice and myself walking through all of the dishes with you um, and then opening it up to a live feed um, during the normal dinner hours of 7 to 9.30 p.m., and um, we did that through Instagram Live. And so as you were to receive your box, which we called a sterile delivery, uh, which still is with the UV wands and, and very, um, very heightened uh, sanitary precautions, uh, we get the box to your front door, you open the box. And as you do that, uh, the video, it walks you through how you unpack the box, how you set up your mise en place, what kind of plate wear, what kind of... Um, cooking vessels you need to do this and that's how we began assembly kitchen it began by doing this full-on immersive experience in the home Uh, we have evolved since then what point in time was the
2: first iteration when did you start
3: Uh, the first boxes went out uh, March 30th
2: Wow, March 30th. So Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that was, I mean, that's in some respects early in the game, um, in terms of when different parts of the country were starting to, you know, shut down and people were first starting to think about how to pivot their business. You certainly have the culinary know how of cooking and things like that. But how did you arrive at the tech side of things?
3: Well, the sweet irony in that, as you can tell, by not even being able to log into this podcast for about ten minutes, um, <laughs> is, is well, I'm not a tech person. Um, well,
2: it's not Top Chef. It's not Top Chef IT challenge. There's no like not. social media, Instagram, you know, Wi-Fi live stream challenge on the it Food Network not. or Top not, Chef not or anything yet. like that. Yeah, I mean, they don't teach that in culinary school, as far as I know. <laughs>
3: Um, not not in a lot, a lot of culinary schools, but uh, you know my my business partner uh, William Ball and I um, he's a very um, he's a very smart man. He brought in his sister as a co-founder who was a someone who worked with Facebook and Visco and had a little bit of tech experience. And um, she didn't have development side of tech experience, but she had tech experience on the consumer side. Um, on a consumer relations side. So we brought her in and we reached out to a couple developers. And I mean, we built this and we built a full on e-commerce platform with our own POS, uh, website, social media presence. We're currently building an app. Um, we did all of that. We're doing all of this with a five man, um, dev and and founding team. So, you know, two of us are restaurant people. uh, Three of us are tech people. And we're literally daily, (laughs) day in, day out, chipping away at how to continue to push this um, for the future. Because, you know, even as we reopen restaurants or close them again and reopen them again, uh, when that time comes, you know, we believe that this is going to continue to be part of how people dine across the world.
2: So it's interesting, um, and we're going to circle back to what you just said, which is essentially um, the idea that, you know, people's dining habits are changing and will change and, you know, how restaurants are sort of starting to think in uh, a multi-channel revenue stream in in ways that they haven't before. Franklin, your business is also bringing that sort of hospitality chef experience directly to people, but in a slightly different way. Tell us how you came to the idea of 100 Pleats and how it unfolded.
4: Sure. Um, Well, number one, Philip, I'm fascinated to hear about your story and um, want to hear a little bit more, but um, I'm sure Jennifer will get back to you. So 100pleats.com was created to help donors reconnect with chefs. Um, You know, like Philip, when COVID-19 hit, um, my phone was nonstop with friends and family cooking from home, uh, asking tips and questions. Um, Additionally, chefs were calling me to see if I had work for them um, because I'm kind of that person who connects people. I mean, uh, you know, from from Laurent being involved in autism speaks to wall street and things like that. Um, I'm a connector. So, um, as I was, as I was, um, getting all these calls, um, you know, I just put two and two together and I realized I, I knew at least a hundred chefs that were affected by, by COVID-19. And, you know, obviously our guests are also affected. Um, if, if we're not, cooking in the kitchen, they're not going out to eat in our restaurants. So um, I connected the dots and, and 100 Pleats was born. Um, and it's, it's basically a virtual culinary platform that connects experienced chefs with at-home food lovers uh, for an interactive real-time experience through um, Whereby, which is similar to Zoom. Uh, it's just another, uh, another vehicle.
2: So I think one of the um, interesting things that you just said is that you became the de facto hotline for all of your friends and family who are not professionals as they started cooking at home. And my guess is, Philip, that you probably get a fair number of texts and phone calls also. I know that I certainly get the random texts like, hey, you know, we're roasting a chicken and or we're making a chocolate cake and and it's like, are you doing it right now? It's like, yes. What do we do right now? (laughs) And so... A, a detail a little bit about the ten for ten, which is a really interesting idea, and it makes me think of um, stories that we do. You know, every now and again, the annual Thanksgiving butterball turkey hotline story, <laughs> where people get to call in, and it's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing and tradition and. The experiences of you know the um, it's mostly women who answer the phones, um, talking to people in the different scenarios of what's happening with uh, Thanksgiving cooking. Sure, um, but explain sure. the ten for ten because my guess is that Philip and probably a lot of uh, chefs and culinary professionals listening will this will be very familiar to them.
4: Sure. So um, it's it it was born out of my brother um, calling me. Uh, my brother's a dentist, and he. Calls me for you know for cooking tips every five minutes, um, and finally I just turned around and I said you know what I said why don't we do uh, a virtual call I said I said um, show me what you're looking at because I can't tell you how long to cook this steak when I don't know how thick it is or I don't know you know what's going on what it looks like so we started communicating video wise and. Um, So the 10 for 10, um, so it's, it's 10 minutes for $10 and it's a quick, easy way to engage on the platform. Um, You know, maybe you're at home staring at your refrigerator, not knowing what to do, or you're shopping and need some guidance, or you're like my brother and you're, you're cooking a steak, but you don't know how long to cook it for. Um, The 10 for 10 allows you to interact with one of our chefs in real time. Um, So they'll get on that video call with you and they'll, talk you through, um, the situation, whether, you know, like I said, whether it's, uh, just not knowing what to do in your, in your refrigerator or, or, or knowing what to do, but not knowing when something's ready, there's a chef right there, um, you know, to assist.
2: And which is just amazing. And I'm sure so many people would love that. And, um, do you charge your brother $10 now when he calls you?
4: No, 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 no. My brother doesn't charge me for dentistry, so I can't charge him for okay. <laughs>
2: for okay. You guys are just going to run dueling family tabs, just put it on the house account. Um, yep. It's interesting. And, and you know, I'll ask you the same question, Franklin. How was it in terms of taking this you know, culinary experience and putting it you know, online and using digital technology? Because, again, and this is something that we've talked about for five years on this show since we started Tech Bytes in January of 2015 – you know I have a great great affection for chefs and restaurant people but you know the the hard truth is that they're not very tech savvy and I often relate the tech level of restaurants to pencil on cocktail napkin or seafood towel and <laughs> to be able to you know figure out how to do this online so quickly was was it challenging was it easy did yeah, you bring somebody it, it, on it, yeah. I mean
4: It is challenging, you know, most chefs are not, not only are they not tech savvy, um, but they're, you know, we're not sophisticated by nature, right, we're we're relatively simple people, you know, who who got into this business to make other people happy through our craft and through our art. Um, At the end of the day, I I know I started cooking because it made other people smile and, and made them, happy um, when I put food in front of them and and that's why I started cooking so I, I think that knowing that that most chefs are not tech savvy and knowing that most chefs are not sophisticated um, in, in you know by nature I, I think it you know we had to do several different demos um, with the chefs we had to walk them through uh, we had to walk them through the classes we had to teach them how to how to engage, um, we did pointers, you know, tilt, tilt the food towards the camera, um, uh, talk to guests as though they don't understand what it is you're doing. Don't use sophisticated words like conca say, or, 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 um, or, or things like that, because people aren't going to necessarily get it right. So talk, talk to people. Don't talk down to anyone. Don't make anyone feel, um, inferior because they're not they're not catching on right away. Um, just be you and show your personality. Bring your personality to the plate. Um, or, That's or very the,
2: different you know. from typically how a chef or a sous chef would be in the restaurant kitchen on the line.
4: Huh. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs>
2: Uh, you know, I'll ask Philip also, has it, um, you know, just in terms of the performative aspect of doing the videos with people? I mean, obviously, you know, being a chef can be performative sometimes when you do events or if you're cooking in an open kitchen and you go into the dining room. Um, has that piece of it been challenging for you? The production, presenting, you know, doing these like mini cooking shows, is, is that challenging? Is it natural?
3: Um, it's been pretty. I mean, it has its challenges, but I feel like there's there. It's been pretty natural. Um, I've been a. I have played the performative part of a chef um, for many years leading up to this. I mean, I've, I've 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 had media training. I've done demos and shows and TV and such. So you know, I I find that um, people want a little of both. I completely agree with and understand what Franklin's saying as far as like some of the words and, and the um, the, t- the terminology as well as um, the tone, if you will, um, of communication. <laughs> delivery. Right? Delivery. Delivery, correct. <laughs> um, one thing that I've noticed that we do is we go fast. Yes. And so a, a, a big thing is slowing down and taking time. However, I found that you know, pro tips and and done correctly using some of the correct uh, terminology or restaurant jargon is exciting if you can slow it down Explain and follow it. up with yeah follow exactly follow up with an explanation because then you're getting again we want to bring the restaurant experience to your home so part of that is going to be some of some of the restaurant feel right so a little bit of the pace speed it up but then slow it down so i mean there's absolutely a performative aspect that we try to engage in and think about um and play up at times at the same time yes you want a human connection you want you do not want to speak down to people um you know we did one we've we've done now dozens of of shows with 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 celebrities to bloggers to 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 other chefs and friends and 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 groups of you know 20 bachelors um and bachelorettes both and one one of the funniest shows we had there were two fires on the show and the ability luckily everyone was okay but the ability to make light of that and to say hey if you have a fire on on the stovetop you can use baking soda or salt or a cover or and, and go through that process and you know, make that person feel not feel embarrassed to do this in a, a, a screen of forty people on a Zoom, but you know, sort of make light and just keep the interaction up. I think it's important, and that's that's another tough part is working and interacting with all the screens or all the chats. Um, we that's why a lot of our shows now we use two chefs. You know, so that
4: you, you made, can you split the work mm-hmm. into Philip. Um, I, I think inspiring the home cook to come out of their comfort zone. You know, one of the things that I notice a lot is they'll look at a recipe in a book, whether it's, whether it's um, Jennifer, your husband's, or it's mine or it's Phillip's they'll look at a recipe in a book and they'll see, Oh, I don't have basil. I can't do that recipe. Um, They don't, they don't think out of the box. And I, I I guess that's, you know, uh, what, what a chef does, very well, at least if you're a good chef, you're, you're nimble, right. And you're, you're able to, to quickly pivot, um, into, into something if you run out of an ingredient or what have you to make a different dish, um, or to make that same dish in a different way. And I think the home cook doesn't necessarily do that easily. Um, so, so I think that when we bring our experience and our expertise, to the table. Um, and we do so, you know, yes, using some restaurant words, but explaining them. Um, and we do so in such a friendly manner, the, the guest is more likely to, 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 to enjoy the experience and not find it to be a task. Um, the worst thing in the world is, you know, people don't want to cook at home because they think it's a task and, and it's not. It's, it's actually a lot of fun if you approach it the right way. And I think what chefs can do is we can teach our guests how to be a little bit more nimble and how to be a little bit more free thinking, um, when looking at a recipe or, or, you know, or the like.
3: Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, and you know, that's, those are some of the number one questions we get if we don't you know, what is a neutral oil? What can be supped? You know why not olive oil? Why this cooking? You know and, um, heating points of oils, etc. Salts. Um, that's a really, that's a really good point. And I and I agree uh, with you, Franklin. When there's a feeling of, and we've we've been this has been relayed to us quite a bit. There's this feeling, this triumphant feeling of of of, of plating the food um, for yourself, for your family, for your you know whoever you have in your in your quarantine pod, and um, you know, having this triumphant feeling of, of of executing a restaurant quality dish at your home. It's it's a very, very it's a it's a, a feeling that inspires confidence for more cooking and, and more shopping. And and I agree with what you're saying. I mean I, I love what you're saying earlier too about, you know, showing us your refrigerator and your pantry and what you can make out of that stuff. Because I think that's such an important um, skill that many people don't understand is, you know, how to grocery shop, how to stock a pantry and how to use or, those ingredients. Or even how to food. use,
4: or, or even how to use the ingredients to its fullest potential, right? Like everybody throws, uh, throws out the ends of the onions or, or things like that. Save it for, uh, you know, for a vegetable stock, save it for, um, a, a chicken stock. Like people, people waste and they don't, they don't realize, you know, an apple's getting soft. Turn it into applesauce. Um, like people, people don't realize um, what they can do, and and so they spend more money on on ingredients and on on things that look pretty in the supermarket, but in reality, they they have a, a refrigerator full of things that that they can make a dinner.
2: That's a really. Excellent point. You know, one of the we had um, years ago, the IBM Chef Watson, which was the computer that IBM was teaching to cook and teaching to give recipes. And one of the interesting things that it would do online is you could put in three ingredients and answer a few questions about What meal of the day is this? What type of spices or seasonings do you like? What are your, you know, um, food requirements or restrictions? And then it would create a brand new recipe for you based on those things that you had. And it was such an interesting idea and a lot of fun. And it was very, you know, mystery box challenge. But the other thing to your point, Franklin, is that if you could If you could instantly come up with a recipe for the five things that you have in your refrigerator, then you would have a lot less food waste, which would be so helpful for everyone in so many ways. Um, We are going to take a very helpful
4: in the environment too. You know, Mm -hmm.
2: we are going to take a quick break to find out who the sponsor is of this show. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a five hundred one c three nonprofit? We're kind of like public radio. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members. Who are mostly listeners like you, grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us.
1: This episode is brought to you by Eat Okra, your guide to Black owned restaurants. If you'd like to support local Black owned businesses, or maybe just find a new favorite place to eat, download the Eat Okra app now. Whatever city you find yourself in, Eat Okra will connect you to hundreds of black owned restaurants, bakeries, cafes, food trucks, bars, and wine shops. Download the Eat Okra app on your smartphone today to get started. Well, if you're just
2: joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is online. It's chefs who have taken the restaurant experience digital in teaching diners how to cook like chefs at home. We are joined by Philip Speer, who is a chef at Commodore in Texas, and his company is called Assembly Kitchen. You can find them online at assembly.kitchen and on social media at assembly.kitchen. We also have on the line Franklin Becker, the chef in New York, and his company is called 100 Pleats. You can find them at 100numerical100pleats.com and on social media at 100pleats. The interesting, you know, interesting idea, maybe not so interesting, is that there are chefs at two opposite ends of the country doing something very similar. And I want to go back really quickly to something um, that Philip said at the beginning of the show, and something that we um, actually talked about rather in depth on last week's show, which was um, an interview with the um, head of e-commerce at Square. And that was the idea that Restaurants have been forced in a really critical way to come up with new revenue streams and new ways of offering their product where maybe they weren't doing it before. So, the clear cut one is you know, people are doing delivery, people are doing to go, and maybe they weren't doing that in the past. People are selling merchandise, gift cards, and you know, in some instances, they're selling these online experiences with the chefs and the sommeliers and the personalities of the restaurant. There is a question now or a conversation about during the now going on about four months of the pandemic, consumers' habits are evolving. People who are getting much more comfortable living online, they're much more comfortable transacting most of their retail shopping online. They're more and more comfortable at home how much of these behaviors will continue after the pandemic and you know i i would love you to just go back really quickly philip and you said that you think that these these types of um sort of virtual restaurant experiences are are going to continue in popularity you think that people will continue to engage with restaurants in these new ways even after we can come back outside and come back into restaurants
3: um, absolutely, I think they will now understand that I am a restaurant person and you know, the thought of of the demise of of local restaurants chefs and and business um, owners not only terrifies me but deeply saddens me i do believe there's a reality that the future is going to hold some of these virtual experiences up and um you know if we can embrace that and take part in that now and shape what that looks like we can have a very um we have a great business there as well and it allows actually if you are still doing a local restaurant it allows another source of revenue and another way to to promote not only um, your business, but to get your chef or your your you know your local ingredients and farmers and their food into people's homes. And I think the goal is how do we continue to operate in this virtual world, but still support people all in your local communities. And that's really what, what what I'm pushing. If you look at Assembly Kitchen, you'll notice that we put a lot of stock into that. And we we use nothing but local purveyors for the food. So when I say you get restaurant quality food in your home, I mean, you're getting food that we've sourced from farms and ranchers and fishermen all around our area and get that into your house, something you may not be able to do. It, 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 it saves you from going from five different markets or you know, this isn't food that you can go and get at your, not all of it, that you can go and get at your, your local grocery store. So you have an opportunity to bring all of this to someone's home. And, you know, I you said, yeah, new habits are forming. Even myself, you know, my hours have changed. And I am, as a chef, used to working the hours, the dinner times, etc. I am spending more time at home. I have a family, more time with my family, more time in my yard, more time in my garden. Um, and that I think many I know many people are doing that. People are baking bread at home and have doing sourdough starters and, and learning all of these these crafts and and skills that, that we should all possess and doing them at home. And I don't think that's gonna change. I think that now people understand being what it's like to connect around a dinner table more than they did over the last 10, 15 years. Back 20, 30 years ago, and I think that that even though you know it's this juxtaposition of a virtual world and and at home um, Renaissance, and I, I think it's amazing. And I think if we do this correctly, it could be a, a really really great future.
2: That's a that's a great way to that's a great way to put it. And Franklin, do you see the? I mean, what's the longevity and the runway that you see with a hundred pleats
4: going into sure. the future? I agree 100% with Philip. I, I think, um, you know, and and having been, the you know, I'm the creator of, of Little Beat, which is a fast casual restaurant, and I have um, obviously some, you know, some uh, upscale restaurants as well. I, I think that where I'm really troubled and deeply saddened is the middle restaurants, the ones that are in between. Um, I think the fast casuals and, and even the celebratory restaurants are actually going to survive this in some way. Um, I think the celebratory restaurants are going to be a lower tier. Um, they're not necessarily going to be those those Michelin three star restaurants uh, per se. But I think they're going to be, you know, people are going to celebrate at the at the Michelin one star restaurants or or you know as 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 the as, you know as the top of their their financial uh, position. But I think more and more people are dining. Um, and are going to enjoy the virtual experiences that we're setting up. And they're going to come back to family. It's almost like, um, you know, there's a mass exodus exodus out of cities. People are buying homes in the suburbs now. um, And they're moving out of cities um, where where they, you know, where they occupied prior. I, I think there's, there is a renaissance going on. There's something that's that's happening and and people are reconnecting and and realizing how important family and friends are. You know, I I think we lost sight of that somehow. We're we're constantly running a million miles an hour, especially in New York City. And we're running a million miles an hour um, trying to get from point A to point B for what? right like now we we have the opportunity to, to, to do these things at home and you can have a restaurant quality meal at home with your friends um, and, and your family that's an incredible thing and I think this is gonna go on for, for a long time I think this is going this is the new way um, at, at least you know I listen I'm, I'm very saddened I'm a restaurant person myself Philip and so I'm very saddened by what's going on. In our industry, um, and and I hope that that you know things get back to some sort of normal. But I I, I got to tell you, I think this online uh, dining experience is is something that's here to stay.
2: Well, I think definitely online is here to stay, and. Um, you know, the the online life and the digital life that consumers were having had been on the upswing for years and years. And I do think that if we didn't already have consumer behavior of people being comfortable ordering things on apps on their phones and communicating via, you know, FaceTime and, and, you know, video chat and live streaming on Instagram – those behaviors were already uh, were already very well founded, and you know they pre- they are providing sort of the foundation for all these new ideas and and new ways of doing things that you know make it easier for people to engage and not make it quite so much of a of a leap of faith into something new because we've already become so accustomed to doing so much on our smartphones and on our computers and virtually. Um, I will say also that you know I would I would agree that you know, some of these new trends, what we're calling as trends or some of these new things are definitely here to stay. And I think, you know, fundamentally, one of those reasons I I love that you both have said, you know, like home renaissance and like family renaissance and food renaissance, it's, you know, I I think it's um, a very poignant way to say it. And it also sort of harkens back to one of the times in history where there was like a plague. (laughs) You know, the Decameron was written during a plague. But the thing about this point in time is that, you know, Philip is a chef from Texas. Franklin is a chef from New York. Every single person in the world is being affected by this pandemic in some way or another. And typically when, when, a, group has a, when a person has a reckoning or an individual sort of like accounting about what they want to do or what their life is or what's meaningful to them or what has value to them, the catalyst is usually personal, and the experience is very personal and it may have a an outcome in their public life or it may not but right now we are in the middle of a of a global experience where everybody in the world is having a very very similar reckoning of experience of you know what's valuable to them, what are they doing they're at home they 're with their family they're in pods they're you know, navigating through life. And I think because we have such a collective experience happening right now, I think that's part of what the catalyst is going to be because it's just everyone at the same time is going through something with the pandemic.
4: Um, and, and I think, Jennifer, what, what separates um, what 100 com is doing and, and, and what Philip's doing with his platform is, is we're live and interactive. And when you're watching a video um, – you, you, you don't get to ask the chef questions. You don't get to engage with the chef and and you don't get to find out that you can substitute parsley for basil or, or what have you in a recipe. So I think that interactive, interpersonal connection is what's going to make our businesses succeed in the long run.
2: Well, we've always said on this show that we are using technology ultimately to get us to a real-life experience when it comes to food. Um, and that's that's a hundred percent. I think where people are landing with Assembly Kitchen and a hundred pleats, we are really just about out of time, and we have to go. Um, but I wanted Philip wanted to let you have um, one last moment to um, finish your thought about um, food waste that you wanted to get in before we go.
3: Yeah, I mean, just in general, what I was going to parlay off something Franklin had Chef Franklin had said. Um, regarding you know how we can utilize um, different ingredients in our pantries or in our refrigerators and uh, as we were talking about doing the the meal kits you know one of the things we do is we have a whole chicken meal kit and a lot of people are um, concerned about it not being enough food so we've um, using a little bit of social media and technology we did this whole uh, photo series and we had a photographer Um, photo the food in her home and what she did with the leftovers, how she made stock from the carcass and pulled the chicken for chicken salad and did a a soup and tacos and uh, took extra tortillas and did breakfast tacos. And so I think that that's – it's just – yeah, and and it was fun to use social media to show people how to do that. And we ended up writing some recipe cards of not only can you – can you eat this food now but this is how you eat it for the future over the next couple of days another thing we did was we were using a lot of um, vacuum seal bags and we switched to a reusable um, plastic container that we in, in uh, you know we push people to use as tupperware or uh, to use for um, plastic to-go containers for their lunches and whatnot so you can reuse those containers as well and i just think that it's you know it's one thing we have to do is think about how we can utilize everything. Um, And so I was just kind of just going off what Franklin had said about that.
2: Well, I'm glad that the two of you had the opportunity to meet today on the show, and my guess is that you two will be able to talk after the show because um, you definitely are developing some interesting things. And I would even say that you know maybe there needs to be some sort of digital chef conference where people can talk about which platform are you using? You know, do you like ZenCaster? What's the best tech? You know, what kind of uh, camera tripods are you using? Because um, there's a whole uh, there's a whole brand new component of doing business now, which is not what chefs focus on. There's a reason why production and technology are separate jobs. And most people who get into the restaurant business do it, you know, as you both have said, because they like making people happier. They make really good bread or they make the most amazing pizza or the best chicken salad. And all the focus has gone on that. And so it's definitely challenging. But I always say that Chefs and restaurant people are the original entrepreneurs. I mean, they, they are the original ones who came up with the whole idea of doing a friends and family raise of capital and all those kinds of things. So it's not surprising to see the creativity um, and community that's coming out of the restaurant industry. And we're just um, happy to see that, happy to see you Doing well and working in your communities, and hopefully you can come back later and tell us, you know, what's happening or as you develop new offerings and how that's going. I'm going to do a quick sign-off. Um, again, we had Philip Spear from Assembly Kitchen. Find them online at assembly.kitchen and on social media at assembly.kitchen. Franklin Becker from 100 Pleats. You can find them 100numerical100pleats.com and at 100 Pleats. You can get in touch with Tech Bytes, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. Did you love the show? Did you hate the show? Do you have a great idea for a show? We are super interactive. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Tech HRN. If you like the show, come back and see us. If you love it, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. If you really can't live without it and listening to the shows on Heritage Radio and keeping in touch with our global food community, if that's important to you, Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, make a contribution. We're having our annual membership drive right now. We got a lot of great swag, including HRN bandanas that make amazing face coverings. If you designate your gift to Tech Bites, I will send you a gift along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi, and this is Tech Bytes. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio.